Steve Dapples is exclusively sponsored this week by Testrail by Gearac Software. They help teams build rock solid software. So welcome to Cube Dapples. Uh, my name is John. Um, this is um, kind of my running commentary that goes along with my website. Um, and I'll talk about a variety of subjects, some that are going to be fun, some that are going to be serious. Um, basically, it's, it's my way of talking through the things that I have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis um, and just the QA world in general. It will be kind of a running commentary that goes along with the website. Um, so you'll hear a lot of discussion around things that I posted there and, and vice versa. Some of the stuff that we talk about here will make it onto the website. So I have a website, Why a Podcast. Basically just a chance for me to kind of talk through some things that it's a little harder to put into words. Um, but it also allows me to bring on a third party. Um, I've got a guest that will be joining us starting next episode. And then uh, the plan is to do a lot of um, like Q&A sessions with other QA folks within the QA industry. Um, and to you know kind of get some outside perspective third-party perspective on the various things that are challenging us as QA professionals right now um, so that that's kind of why we're we're looking at doing a podcast um, you know topics I plan to range everything from you know general commentary from the site to how to's um, talking about all the different areas of QA, you know, automation, functional, manual testing, performance testing, possibly even get into some security testing discussions. It, it will really depend on kind of what's going on in my world um, and also what you guys are interested in hearing. Um, you know, it, it, this podcast is kind of for me, um, but it's also for you guys. Um, it's something that uh, I want to put out there to, to help people get a better grasp and understanding of what's going on around them. I don't want it to be just a static resource. I want it something to be dynamic that, that is actually helping people and can help companies build better software. Um, you know, I, I've got a very, very deep passion for, for building quality software and, and just quality in general. And I want to help others experience that same thing. So that's kind of what this podcast is about is to try and get some of those things out of my head um, and to a place where you guys can hear them and talk about them and we can have kind of a dialogue about that a little bit better. So that's what uh, the plan is, uh, the plan to have uh, a lot of different guests from the QA community come on and join us to talk about some of these various areas. I am very much aware that I am not the smartest person in the room and I'm also not the smartest person in the QA community. Um, so I would like to bring on those people that are truly gifted and, and exceptional in the areas that they are focused on. You know, guys that do performance testing for a living, guys that do security testing for a living, automation engineers, guys that know how to build good processes and things like that. So want to go out, find these guys, get them on. Um, had some discussions with some already and just really want to make this a valuable tool for people to use. So with all that being said, um, first topic I kind of want to talk through is uh, around Agile. Let me rephrase that. Claim 
of agile within a lot of companies that don't know how to do agile. Um, they implement agile in a way that is nothing like the agile agile manifesto lays out. Um, and so it makes it this weird amalgamation of various different methodologies and thoughts and that's all well and good that, that is a very um, useful approach um, you know not every scenario is the same not every situation is the same um, everybody everywhere is different they, they do things just a little bit differently here and there um, but you know the reality is we have to stop calling things that aren't agile agile um, because one of the things that's happening is is agile itself is sort of getting a bad name with people because and I say people but you know the business side of the house not the development and QA side of the house um, they're getting a bad rap in that they don't see the actual benefits of agile if it's not implemented correctly um, you know, a lot of places will steal the scrum and, and sprint planning components of Agile and not really do any of the other stuff that needs to happen to go along with that. Um, very rarely do you see um, an, an actual shippable release at the end of every sprint. Um, and, and, you know, it's one thing for you to not be able to ship early on, but, you know, if you're doing 10 sprints and by sprint 7 and sprint 8, you're still not capable of shipping a product, you're not really doing Agile. Um, and, and that's okay if, if that works for your company. That's, that's okay. Um, it's not ideal, but you know the, the reality is you're not doing Agile. And that's what you need to kind of take a step back and look at and figure out and say, okay, we're not doing agile. What are we doing? Um, and, and you can come up with your own term for it. You know, I, I've seen a lot of places call it program development lifecycle, or you know, use the term SDLC all inclusively, um, and that's eh. it works. It's not ideal. Um, it confuses the issue to some, but at least it's not treating it as agile which has a known state about it within the community um, so you know I wish I knew how to fix this or solve it um, it's more of a pet peeve of mine that it happens um, and we just I want to try and figure out a way to change it um, not sure how I'm open to suggestions but I don't. I want to get us out of the mode of doing, you know, just many waterfalls, um, and calling them sprints, um, because it, it's not really. We're not really getting to a releasable product point. Um, we don't have a minimum viable product that we can release at the end of every sprint, and that's what we need to figure out. How do we get to that place? Um, you know, I know a lot of work goes into story points and. Um, stories themselves and, and planning for the sprints and, and all this and one of the things that I found is there's also a very real 
lack of understanding of how to make true stories. Um, most places don't know how to break them down in such a way that they are actual usable. Um, it, it makes taking those and testing them very difficult because some are at a very high level. I need to do this. Okay, how do you do that? Um, and then some are at such a granular level that there's no possible way to get any value out of that test case. So you, you, you know, you have on one end of the spectrum the test cases that are too large that there's no way to actually satisfy that test case or that story. Um, and then on the other side of the coin you have things that are way more granular than they can ever be useful. And so it just kind of sits there. Um, and it, it makes it very difficult to actually deliver a quality product. Um, probably my biggest peeve with Agile as a whole is that it doesn't take QA into account directly. We're, we're kind of a side piece of it, um, an ancillary piece, if you will. Um, and what ends up happening is it makes it very confusing for teams because there's no known quantity of what QA is in regards to um, the Agile process. So everywhere implements it differently. And you kind of have to reinvent the wheel every time you go in and try and do this. And it just it makes it really, really difficult across the board for teams to figure this out. Um, we have a situation right now where we have a very large QA team, um, roughly 120 folks, uh, and that's split across all of our lines of business. Well, we were recently converted into a shared service that you know touches all of these and is not beholden to any one. Well, in the process of trying to bring everybody together, we realized nobody is really on the same page. and. Every team has been doing it their own way for years in some cases. And to try and take that model um, from each of those teams and mold it into a common theme has proven to be very, very difficult. Um, so you know, it, it pays to kind of take a step back, figure out how you want to handle QA as a whole in regards to Agile, um, and then figure out what is it how do you take that stuff and turn it into um, a usable thing at the end of the day um, where, where the test cases are actually useful, they're actually telling you whether something passes or fails, and that's, that's our end goal um, for, as a QA team. To, well, it's not our end goal. It is our... It is one of our goals that will get us to the end goal of delivering a solid product. If we don't have a good way to test it and control it, we, there's, we can't guarantee that we are putting out a good product. Um, so it, it pays to put a little bit of attention up front to these kinds of things. Um, and you know, if you're not doing Agile, um, say you're not doing Agile. Um, I, I mentioned on Twitter the other day that, you know, call the pig the pig. 
you know, don't put leather pants on him and try and call him a cow because he's, he's not a cow. Um, and, and it just pays to understand that up front rather than trying to keep doing things the agile way, if you will, when you're not really doing agile to begin with. Um, so just, you know, keep that in mind as you're going through and thinking about these things because it does have a huge, huge impact on the way we look at what we're delivering and what we're doing um, because it's everybody does it their own way. Um, QA in the Agile world is, is completely wide open. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of schools of thought out there, but I've read through the, the forums and, and blog posts and Twitter feeds, and, man, everybody has their own approach to it. And that's okay. Um, I, I know some people are trying to put some new standards into place, and there's not a lot of support for it um, amongst the Agile community. And that's okay. You know, at least they're trying. Um, but we, we definitely need to figure something out because right now it makes it very difficult to get support and help from various people on your team um, or, or within the community when nobody's really doing it, even remotely close to each other. Um, so it, it, it makes it a little interesting at the end of the day. So um, that's kind of my, I know it was a little rambling and, and all over the place, but it is um, something that I've been struggling with lately is, is how do you do this in a world where you're kind of doing agile, but you're really not. Um, so if you have any suggestions or feedback, I am all ears on them. So um, our podcast, actually, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, is exclusively sponsored by uh, Test Rail. Um, and... Uh, it's GearX modern test management software for QA and development teams. TestRail is used by thousands of teams to manage and organize their software testing efforts. Not only can you manage your manual and exploratory testing with TestRail, you can also integrate TestRail with the automated tests, and it integrates with issue tracking tools such as Jira and Redmine. Please check out TestRail, and you can try TestRail free for 30 days. You can find it at httpgurak.com forward slash test rail. I've also included a link to it in the show notes, so please uh, absolutely go check them out. Um, in addition, Gearac is currently looking for account engineers and support engineers for test rail. Um, this is a great opportunity for experienced testers to come in and help drive this great product forward in the marketplace. Gearac is hiring these positions remotely in North America and Western Europe, and we've also included links to the job postings in the show notes. Um, as someone who's used a lot of different test case tools, I've got to say they are by far and away my favorite. Um, it, it's a very clean product to use. It's simple to use, and yet it's still plenty powerful enough to do everything you need to do. Um, I've seen it used as just a test case repository, um, and I've also seen it as a fully integrated piece of um, a continuous integration solution where the continuous integration tests all lived in test rail and could be added to or removed from and the continuous integration would pick them up from there and use that as part of their runs. Um, 
and it, it, it just works great. Um, you know, the reality is it just works. Um, I've used other tools that are very com complicated to set up, convoluted to use, not very straightforward. Um, and TestRail has been one that pretty much anyone can just sit down and figure it out and pick it up and start using it. So I, I really, really highly recommend them. Um, you know, on multiple occasions, I've even gone to them with something, an idea or a change, and then turn around and watch them knock it out for the next release. Um, they're, they're a truly great product and company, so please, please go check them out. Um, another discussion uh, that I wanted to kind of talk through with everybody was, uh, I, I listened to a podcast a little while ago um, by Sean Blanc, uh, called uh, investing in quality and it really hit a chord because that that's kind of what i want to try and do in my day-to-day -day life in general um, i want it to be a true like i really want to invest in quality i want it to be i want everything that i do geared towards making sure that the product that comes out from underneath me is a truly good product. Um, putting the time in is something that a lot of people don't do, and I, I want to make sure that I definitely do that. Um, you know, there there was another post um, that I put put up on the blog um, that, that was simply titled "Craftsman," and it was by uh, a gentleman that basically was saying, "I wanted to be in this industry and." this is what I decided I need to do. And he listed out all of the things that he did to get into the QA industry. And it was such a great article in terms of what all like his thought process was and his commit, his time investment, his, his commitment to that, um, to getting the training that he needs, to going out and doing all of the knowledge gathering um, to figure out what it was he needed training on, going to conferences and um, various development meetups and QA meetups and, and getting with the different teams that could help him grow in this area. Um, and it's, it was very interesting to see as someone that I kind of fell into QA. It was, it was something that I, I didn't target it, but once I got into it, realized this is where I should have been to begin with. Um, you know, I, I like to joke with people that I'm good at breaking things, so QA is a very good um, place for me. Um, not only am I good at it, but I like to do it. So just seeing someone else's experience of how they, they not only wanted to get into it, but they, they specifically targeted it and went through the work necessary and put the time in to truly make it within the industry was really eye-opening for me and, and a great read. Um, so I highly suggest you guys, I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but I highly suggest you guys go check it out. It was really, really good. Um, and along those same lines, you know, if, if you know me, you'll know I'm an Apple. I don't know if fanboy is the right term, but I'm definitely a huge, huge admirer of their products. I use them every day. Um, do I think they're the perfect company? No. Um, 
you know, they, they definitely make a lot of mistakes, just same as anybody else, and they um, have their quirks about them, if you will, but they are more committed to delivering a quality product than any other company in the market right now. Um, their attention to detail, to their customer, across the board is incredible. And there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, you know, they do a lot of investment in training. Um, they, they have Apple University, if you will, um, that was recently profiled. Um, kind of a behind the scenes glimpse. It's been rumored and talked about, but nobody's really come out and said anything specific about it. And I, I posted a link to an article this week about what, uh, what that was like kind of behind the scenes and, and how much they invest in training for their company. Like it's almost like you go to college for working at Apple. Um, because there's so much about their culture and what they do that it makes it very hard to just come in there from the outside and fit in. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you got to do to kind of get up to speed with their culture. Um, and there are some people that, that, that don't work out. Most famously, John Broward, um, Tim Cook's first executive hire um, after he took over officially as CEO. Um, he, he brought Mr. Broward in to be the uh, head of the retail store and the retail side of things, and that famously didn't work out. Uh, Ron Johnson had built up a phenomenal business on the, the retail side, and it didn't work out. Um, Mr. Broward did, just didn't, he didn't fit the Apple culture, and he didn't get it, if you will. Um, and to Tim Cook's credit, he gave him, he, he definitely made the right decision. Um, and, and he stepped up to the plate and, and said, you know what, we screwed this up. We're going to make a change. And they did. And then they went out and poached a really, really, really good replacement in Angela Ahrens. Um, who is was the complete opposite of, of John Broward. She was from the um, Burberry uh, company and you know their high-end fashion and luxury goods while, while John Broward was from more of a um, lean and mean um, store, retail store, if you will, that, that was on the churn and burn kind of uh, model. And you know, it was interesting to see that, that Apple, that's not Apple. Apple is the let's build the nice stuff. And, you know, we know our stuff costs more. It has a premium, but that, it's, that premium is for a reason because we put the time and effort in to make sure it is something that is better than that other stuff. Um, and that, that's, that's a good way of looking at it, um, you know. If you're wrong about something and you have a plan, stick with the plan. Um, and if you make a hire or a decision that doesn't go along with that plan, admit when you're wrong. You know, acknowledge that you made a mistake and that there's no reason to to cry over spilled milk. Just fix it, and move on. Um, 
at least now you have the benefit of knowing what didn't work and you can go about fixing it in a much better way. Um, you know, another thing that I like that they do is iteration as an art form. Um, they, they take a product and just constantly iterate over it. And I know a lot of people complain every year, well, the, the new iPhone, it, you know, it just doesn't, it's not a huge upgrade. It's, it's a minimal upgrade over last year, et cetera. Um, but if you go back two generations of, of devices and, and look at the iPhone, say the iPhone 5 versus the iPhone 4, um, or, or the iPhone 3G, if you will, um, those two devices are nothing alike. Um, and looks are one thing, but just, just the features and capabilities of them, they're not even remotely comparable. Um, and even the four to the five isn't even a, a, a close comparison. But if you look at them, you know, iteratively, you, it, it's hard to tell that difference. Um, but when you step back and look at, you know, the first iPhone that was introduced, and I know we've got a new one coming out here in a few weeks, the one, the five S that's out right now, there's there's not even a remotely close comparison there. Um, so it, it's always interesting to see, uh, and especially coming up here soon, what their next iteration point is going to be. What do they think is the next evolutionary step um, to building a good iPhone and, and continuing that product line? Um, so I, I'm really, really, really intrigued about that. So. Um, quality as a whole, I, I think you just have to be willing to buy into it, own it, and run with it. I, I think if you don't, you run the risk of not, you, you can say and talk about quality a lot, but unless you're willing to really truly buy into it and, and stick by your guns um, and, and have a plan for that, you're, you're not really going to deliver a good product. Um, it might work one time, but you know, there's n past success doesn't guarantee future success. Um, you know, it, it's just a, it's, you're rolling the dice. So, um, that's kind of all I've got, um, for this week. Uh, I know, uh, the plan is to have Jack start working with us next week. Um, he uh, will bring a very, very good insight to the automation side of the house. Um, we're going to do some really cool posts on the automation framework that we're building currently. Um, and we'll give you a really good insight into how you would approach automation f corporately um, across the entire company. Um, something that you can use not just for one team, you know, we too often we get tied into looking at things just from the development or QA perspective. Um, and we are looking at building a framework that, want, that works not just for them, but our education team and our demo team and our support team and our implementation teams and all of these various teams so that they can get just as much use out of it as the development teams and the QA teams. Um, so it, it's a very, it, it's a really cool conversation. I think you guys are going to really enjoy and get a lot of value out of um, talking about this stuff. We have some posts that are going to be coming up 
they go along with it, um, a little bit more technical details. Um, and then Jack will be uh, joining as the co-host to uh, the first discussion points will be around some of these uh, topics. And then uh, from there, we will kind of freestyle it. Um, so again, uh, my thanks to Test Trail and Gurok Software for sponsoring this week's podcast. And we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks.